Welcome to this Market Commentator podcast where I speak to leading investment professionals. And uh, my guest today is Adam Ibrahim. He is the Chief Executive Officer and the Chief Investment Officer of Oasis. Adam, welcome to the show. How do you juggle your responsibilities as CEO and CIO? Are they not both full-time jobs? I think they keep the um, CEO job just as a title because I started the business, but we have a chief operating officer who takes all um, those responsibilities. My main focus is on um, investments. But let's talk about investments um, and let's talk uh, about the international uh, environment, which is currently pretty volatile. Um, what do you think of the current situations? What, what is driving international markets at the moment? I think firstly, you know, we've got massive divergence in economic policy, monetary policy, massive divergence in growth rates. And with that divergence, you then get um, volatility. But the big driver behind it is the moving away of liquidity and uh, quantitative easing in the U.S., which has done a couple of things. One, it's made emerging markets more vulnerable. And I'll talk about emerging markets in a slightly more detail. Secondly, because emerging markets, we are big consumers of commodities which are very oversupplied across the commodity profile. That has pulled commodity countries down and commodity companies down. And then thirdly, the amount of debt, especially that emerging markets have taken over the last couple of years, um, whereas the developed world has been de-gearing, emerging markets have been re-gearing, and they've been re-gearing, and just as they've been re-gearing in the last six months, interest rates uh, and yield spreads have increased very dramatically. So what you're going to have is you really have an emerging market debt crisis, and you, you're seeing that play out in greater volatility in financial markets. Can you just expand on that? In an emerging market debt crisis, um, how, how significant would it be and, and how long do you think this, this could last? If you look at um, our debt levels, in, in 2007, the developed markets peaked um, in their debt levels. And they have actually, the corporates in the developed market, especially the U.S., uh, there's been quite a significant rundown in their debt. Okay? Mm -hmm. And then secondly, what has happened is in 2008, emerging market debt was at a very low level. And you've almost swung around completely and emerging market debt is now at the same level as 1997-1998. And so you remember 1997-1998-1999, you had the emerging market crisis where debt had to be repaid very quickly and abruptly. We do not expect as brutal a... Uh, um, uh, you know, um, change in economic fortunes and also stock market fortunes for emerging markets as we saw in 1997-1998. But we do see a continued sideways movement and downward movement for the next couple of years. So we've been bearish on emerging markets for the last five years and we continue to be bearish. So I'll give you an indicator the interest burden of the advanced economies in 2007 was 10.3% of GDP. In 2015, this had dropped to 5.7% of GDP. So nearly halved. 
Emerging markets in 2007, you remember, emerging markets would have slightly higher interest rates. Their interest burden was 8% of GDP. In 2015, this grows to 12.1% of GDP, so much higher than the 10.3 for advanced economies in 2007. But this 12.1% of GDP could quickly rise to about 15%, given the much higher interest rates. What is the South African ratio? I don't have that ratio in front of me. I think South Africa is actually in a much um, in a, a f- more favourable position, but deteriorating. I think the the interest you know bill for government is around fifteen percent of the total expenditure budget. Um, so you know it should be around seven eight percent of GDP. Um, which is still a you know a rising number, as you have said. Um, yeah. One development currently that is uh, influencing markets is uh, Britain's possible exit of the EU. How do you think that will impact uh, the, the broader I, market? I think the probability of the UK exiting the EU is pretty low. Um, I think if you just look at the way you know the polls before and the commentators spent so much time talking about Scotland exiting the UK. And when the vote actually came around, um, it was very much in favour of staying within the UK. I actually think you're going to see the same um, focus. There's a lot of noise between now and the referendum. And um, you're going to see, you know, this morning, 34 of the top 100 uh, companies, CEOs came out in support of staying in the EU. So I actually think that this is going to create a buying opportunity. So the pound is weakening and um, UK um, assets are becoming cheaper and we'll view that as a buying opportunity. And at this point in time, we've put a very low risk of the UK exiting the EU. Mm. If the UK UK exits the European Union, then I think the pound gets weaker for, for, for a short period, but then it strengthens from the medium to long term point of view. It strengthens very dramatically, uh, but in the short term, it actually decreases quite, quite significantly. But on the long term, the reverse happens because it no longer will have to cover the burden of Greece and other countries that haven't sorted out its fiscal, um, their fiscal and economic situation. Let's look at the local market. Um, you know, the South African economy is currently not in the healthiest state it has ever been. Um, but markets have held up relatively well, mostly due to companies that, uh, you know, derive a lot of, a big chunk of their earnings offshore. Um, where, where are you looking for value currently? So if you look at this, if you look at the local economy, we see it as a stagflation economy. That means low economic growth and high inflation. And inflation will drift higher, most probably to the 7 and, and 7.5%. And you then have a budget that, uh, um, tomorrow that's likely to be quite, um, you, you know, an austerity budget in South Africa, which is likely to pull the economy lower. It may be very good for financial markets, bond markets, and the currency, and you've seen the currency strengthen. And then uh, thirdly, um, you've got the local government elections, which is going to create a lot of noise. Uh, Fourthly, you've got the universities creating a lot of noise at the moment. And fifthly, you have the drought. So in that environment, the short-term outlook for the economy is quite pessimistic. However... 
When you look at the week round, there's many, many industries that have suddenly become very competitive. So in, in the Western Cape um, and around the coastal areas, but throughout the country, tu- tourism is just taking off. Wherever you go, the, res- uh, you know, the restaurants are full and it's all foreign tourists. The, you cannot get a flight to, in and out of Cape Town or most South African cities today because of the weak round. Secondly, now we do have the short-term impact of the drought in most of the countries, but those companies that export deciduous food from the Western Cape are going to, um, you know, they're going to hit the ball out of the park and some of our fishing companies are going to hit the ball out of our, uh, the park because of the weak round. Then, Again, speaking to somebody last night, the business process outsourcing people, um, they're just going to fill up more and more jobs. So they are th- those sectors that are going to do not so well in the short term, and they are those sectors that are going to do incredibly well. If you take that to our beleaguered mining industry, um, you know, if you annualize Anglo Gold's third quarter results, they were showing a negative $200 million cash flow, negative cash flow, free cash flow. The latest results, and if you take the current Rand dollar and Aussie dollar um, and Brazilian real and Argentinian peso, if you take that effect, they're running at a positive $800 million of positive free cash flow. So suddenly those companies that you know were down 70, 80% have suddenly had a massive change in fortune now, they have moved up by 40%, 50% from their lows, but they could double or triple from here on out. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, if we just, I'll spend a minute talking about the miners. But can um, we, we, just before we, we, we focus on those individual, those, that industry, I just want to ask you um, the economic factors you've mentioned earlier. Um, there's another one where South Africa may face a ratings downgrade. Now, Pravin Gordon has come out as the champion to try and avert that downgrade. But what should investors do in this environment? Is it prudent maybe to move some money to cash um, and be a slightly more conservative? I think, you know, um, within this creates a lot of opportunities. So selecting a great balance fund with a good manager is a good, a good way to take advantage of the opportunities that volatility creates. Okay? And so uh, this environment where there's, uh, there's, there's so many factors this is not the time to put money into index funds and ETFs and those managers who just track the stock market. They've had a fantastic time for the last eight years. These factors that we're talking about, stagflation and uh, uh, the divergence of economic policy globally and diverge, divergence of sectors within countries really calls for stock pickers and great asset allocators. So I think, um, you know, the, uh, if you took your money, you, if you kept taking your money and placing it into um, cash when, you know, when there was negative news, you most probably lost out on some of the biggest rallies in the stock markets and financial markets over, over time. So if you're um, very concerned, I'll put it into a low equity balance fund if you're reasonably concerned, I'll put it into a medium equity balance fund. And if you're reasonably bullish, I'll put it into a high equity balance fund. 
Well, you know, this this you know moves the discussion to performances of fund managers, um, and in the past, not too many has actually have actually beaten index funds. Um, this could be you know, an in- interesting time to actually see, you know, which fund managers have you know swimming trunks on. Um, and uh, exactly. how would an investor, you know, if you look at past performance, how seriously do the do these investors have to analyze those performances before choosing a fund manager? I think very importantly, so you could have a manager doing really well. So you've got to look at a couple of things. Firstly, you've got to deconstruct that performance. How much risk, market risk, is the person taking and how much is the person manager t- adding through selection? So that's normally the market-related risk would be the beta, and the, um, the value add through selection would be the alpha. What you want is the, now the managers have done incredibly well have been, because the market has done well, and that's what where index funds do well um, in a rising market and with low volatility is that they have a beta of one, and many of the leading South African um, asset managers have a beta of greater than one, uh, one. Many of them have got a beta of 1.2, okay? And I'll explain that later. And they actually have a zero or negative alpha over the very long term. What you're looking for is a manager who's able to add value through having a very strong long-term alpha stock selection, okay, and a lowish beta, 0.8. So if, and I'll use the two examples, if you had a beta of um, uh, 1.5, if the market goes up 10%, you go up 15%. But if the market goes down 10%, you go down 15%. Now, if you've got a zero alpha, you're going to have this massive volatility, and that is in the home of the index trackers, and, and the ETFs and those fund managers that are market-oriented. If you look at the company that focuses on the alpha, and if they have a beta of 0.8, so if the market goes up 10, they go up 8 or they go down. But now, if they have an alpha of 5 or 8 or 10, just take 5, the market goes up that 10 and you get 8 from the market plus 5 alpha, that gives you a 13% return. When the market declines and you only go down eight, but you get your five alpha, you only go down three. You get an, uh, to get an understanding of what to look for. The second item to look for, so the first item is to look for the track record of stock selection over five, 10, 15, preferably over 10, 15, 20 year period, rather than if, because economic cycles last uh, um, normally between five and seven years. The second thing is to look at on a 5, 10, 15, 20 year view on the downside correlation, how much downside risk does the manager take? Thirdly, the sharp ratio. Fourthly, the Sortina ratio. If you take all of those into account, you will choose the managers and you will have a greater chance um, of adding real value. And when you've chosen that manager, stick with that manager for the very long term. Uh, the time uh, is running out. Just lastly, uh, you did refer to the commodity sector. Um, are you actively buying in that sector? You know, is there still value, um, or is there value elsewhere? I think we we're not actively buying. We bought um, 
towards the end of uh, um, 2015 when they were ridiculously cheap. So some of the stocks that we bought was Anglo Gold, Assaw, Palingas, amongst others. But if you look forward, um, outside mining, uh, um, there's a couple of stocks we really like in South Africa, something like RCL Foods. Um, the results come out today, tomorrow. Um, yes, in the short term, they'll be affected by the drought, but they've got some of the best management, some of the best brands, and very strong cash flow. And then something like Raynet. Again, in a bearish market, a company like Renet will add significant value when the markets are under pressure. And over the long term, if you took a portfolio, besides um, investing with Oasis, in the long term, if you took a portfolio of um, RCL, Raynet, uh, uh, um, Palingus, and Assaw, and um, Anglo Gold, and you, you know, maybe do 50-50 weighting between the miners and the non-miners, or 45 to the miners and 60 to the non-miners, that five shares will outperform the Nationale Pairs by an order of magnitude. It will outperform the Steinhoff's by an order of magnitude. It will outperform um, ridiculously overvalued stocks like Nepi and Rockcastle, who are really, really overvalued, taking very, very high risk. And um, when the, you know, you said when the water goes out, not only will you see that they're not swimming in their trunks, but they're kind of seriously exposed. Mm. Some interesting bits there. Thank you, Adam. That was Adam Ibrahim. He is the chief executive officer and chief investment officer of Oasis.